0: Chapter twelve of Niels Klim's Journey Under the Ground This Librivox recording is in the public domain Recording by Alan Winter Chapter twelve The Author's Arrival in Quama Meanwhile, a large multitude of people collected around me from all parts. They requested me to speak, but as I did not understand their language I could not answer them. They repeated often the word dank, dank, and supposing them to be Germans, I addressed them in this language, then in Danish, and finally in Latin, but they signified to me, by shaking their heads, that these languages were unknown to them. I tried at last to declare myself in the subterranean tongues, namely in Nazaric and Martinianac, but it was in vain. After having addressed each other thus incomprehensibly for a long time, I was carried to a small hut, formed of wickers intricately twisted. In this hut were neither chairs nor tables. These people seat themselves on the ground to eat. Instead of beds, they spread straw on the earthly floor, upon which they throw themselves indiscriminately at night. Their food is milk, cheese, barley bread, and meat, which they rudely broil on the coals, for they do not understand cooking. Thus I lived with them like a dog, until I learned so much of their language that I could speak with them and assist them a little in their ignorance. The simplest rules of living that I prepared for them were considered as divine commands. My fame soon spread abroad, and all the villages around sent forth crowds to a teacher who, they believed, had been sent to them from heaven. I heard even, that some had commenced a new chronology from the date of my arrival. All this pleased me only so much the more, as formerly in Nazar I had been abused for my imprudence and wavering judgment, and in Martinia despised and commiserated for my ignorance. True indeed is the old proverb, that among the blind the one-eyed rules. I had now come to a land where with little understanding I could raise myself to the highest dignities. There were here the best opportunities to employ my talents, since this fruitful land produced in abundance whatever subserved for pleasure and luxury, as well as usefulness and comfort. The inhabitants were not indocile, nor were they wanting in conception, but since they had been blessed with no light without themselves, they groped in the thickest darkness. When I told them of my birth, my native land, of the shipwreck I had suffered, and of other occurrences in my voyages, not one would credit me. They thought rather that I was an inhabitant of the sun, and had come down to enlighten them. Wherefore they called me Pikil Su, that is, the sun's ambassador. For their religion they believed in and acknowledged the god, but cared not at all to prove his existence. They thought it enough for them that their forefathers had believed the same, and this blind submission to time-honored formula was their simple and sole theology. Of the moral law, they were ignorant of all commandments save these, Do not unto others that which you would not have others do unto you. They had no laws. The will of the emperor was their only rule. Of chronology, they had but a slight conception. Their years were determined by the eclipses of the sun by Nazar's intervention. Were one asked his age, he would answer, that he had attained so many eclipses. Their knowledge of natural science, too, was very unsatisfactory and unreasonable. They believed the sun to be a plate of gold, and the planet Nazar a cheese. Their property consisted in hogs, which, after marking, they drove into the woods. The wealth of each was determined by the number of his swine. I applied myself, with all the fervor imaginable, to refine and enlighten this rude yet promising people, so that shortly I came to be regarded among them as a saint. Their trust in my wisdom was so great that they thought nothing impossible with me. Therefore when overtaken by misfortune, they would hasten to my hut and pray for my assistance. Once I found a peasant on his knees before my door weeping and bitterly complaining over the unfruitfulness of his trees, and beseeching me to use my authority that his trees should bear fruit to him abundantly as of old. I had heard that this whole country was governed by a regent, whose residence or palace at that time was about eight days' travel from the town where I lived. I say at that time because the court dwelt not in substantial fixed houses, but in tents, and the residence was moved at pleasure from one province to another. The ruler at that period was an old man named Kazba, which signifies the great emperor. In consideration of its many large provinces, this country was indeed a great empire, but from the ignorance of the inhabitants, who made little use of their many natural advantages, and also from the absence of that unanimity among the provinces, which would have dignified and strengthened their councils, and subserved for their mutual protection, they were exposed to the attacks and mockeries of their more vigorous neighbors and not unfrequently obliged to pay tribute to nations much inferior to themselves. The report of my name and power was spread in a short time even to the remotest provinces. Nothing could be done without consulting me as an oracle, and when any undertaking miscarried, its failure was ascribed to my indifference or indignation. Wherefore, oblations were frequently made to assuage my anger." Finally, the rumor was carried to the ears of the old emperor that a great man had come into his dominions in a strange dress, who gave himself out as ambassador of the sun, and had proved himself more than man, by bestowing to the Quamites, thus the inhabitants were called, after the name of the land Quama, wise and almost divine rules of life. He therefore sent ambassadors with order to invite me to the imperial residence, These were thirty in number, all clothed in tiger skins, this dress being considered in Quama the greatest of ornaments, since none were permitted to wear it but those who had distinguished themselves in war against the Tanaquites, a nation of sensible tigers and the mortal enemies of the Quamites. I had built, in the town where I dwelt, a walled house after the European style. At the sight of it, the imperial ambassadors were astonished, and exclaimed that it was a work beyond human powers. They entered it as a sanctuary, with devout reverence, and there proclaimed to me the emperor's invitation in the following speech. Since the great emperor, our most gracious lord, reckons his genealogy through manifold generations, from spunko the son's son, the primary regent of Kwama, nothing could surprise him more agreeably than this embassy wherefore his majesty joyfully greets the ambassador of the sun, and humbly invites him to the capital city of the empire. I answered by expressing my most humble thanks for the emperor's condescension, and immediately repaired with the ambassadors to the capital. These lords had been fourteen days on their journey to me, but assisted by my genius, the return occupied only four days. I had observed during my residence in this country, that there were vast numbers of horses running wild in the woods, and hence rather burdensome than useful to the inhabitants. I showed to the people how beneficial these animals might be made to them, and taught them how to tame these noble creatures. At my suggestion and by my direction, a number of them were caught and broken in, and thus I was enabled to mount the ambassadors and materially shorten the period of our journey. No idea can be formed of the wonder and astonishment with which the Quamites witnessed our entry into the city. Some were so frightened that they ran far into the country. The emperor himself dared not, in his fear, to come out from his tent, nor would he stir until one of the ambassadors, dismounting his horse, went in and explained the whole secret to him. Shortly I was, with a great retinue, led into the imperial tent. The old emperor was seated on a carpet surrounded by his courtiers. On my entrance I acknowledged in the most polite terms the exceeding grace his imperial majesty had shown me. Thereupon the emperor arose and asked me what the king of the sun and father of his family proposed to do. Conceiving it politic and even necessary not to undeceive the Quamites in the opinion that they themselves first entertained, I answered, THAT HIS MAJESTY, THE KING OF THE SUN, HAD SENT ME DOWN TO THIS LAND TO REFINE, BY GOOD LAWS AND salutary RULES OF LIFE, THE UNCULTIVATED MANNERS OF THE QUAMITES, AND TEACH THEM THE ARTS, THROUGH WHICH THEY MIGHT NOT ONLY RESIST AND REPEL THEIR VALIANT AND ENERGETIC NEIGHBORS, BUT EVEN EXTEND THE BOUNDARIES OF THEIR OWN EMPIRE, AND ADDED THAT I HAD BEEN ORDERED TO REMAIN WITH THEM FOREVER. THE EMPEROR LISTENED TO THIS SPEECH WITH MUCH APPARENT PLEASURE. Ordered a tent to be immediately raised for me near his own, gave me fifteen servants, and treated me less as a subject than as an intimate friend. End of Chapter Twelve. Recording by Alan Winterout, Boomcoach.blogspot.com.